0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. 60 minutes away is West Durham on the NFL and college football and maybe some college hoops. Voice of the ACC Network, voice of the NFL's Atlanta Falcons. Panthers are in Atlanta. Neither of those two teams is going to the playoffs this year, of course. Panthers officially have a vacancy. Atlanta is expected to have one at the end of the season as well. As the coaching carousels spin, college and pro, and as there are big games to be played, Jeff and Clemens will be next on college football. Adrian wants in on the NFL, still others on college basketball. Duke visits surprising Virginia Tech tonight in ACC action. NC State goes to Wake Forest tomorrow afternoon. UNC goes to UVA with both of those national top 10 in the polls teams licking their wounds after getting embarrassed in the ACC Big 10 challenge. Both are offensively challenged. UVA still is playing the best in the nation pack line defense for Tony Bennett of the Cavaliers. Roy Williams has even more complications right now. Both teams are good teams When the pieces are fitting together, but neither looks like a top 10 team, even though those are the rankings right now. As we said a month ago, and probably four months ago, Louisville and Duke are your 1A and 1B in the ACC and hoops this year, as of course, a lot of football teams have big games this weekend as well, college and pro. Baltimore at Buffalo, San Fran at New Orleans, KC at New England, and Seattle at the Rams lead the NFL matchups. And among the 10 college football championship games that you have at your disposal tonight and tomorrow, I think you can easily give out kind of a gold, silver, and bronze. Maybe you have family commitments. Maybe you're traveling. Maybe you only have time to catch one or two of these games. There are 10 championship games. And Jeff has on his mind a team that I believe is playing in the gold medal matchup of the weekend. I mean, around here, I'm excited for App State Hosting the Sun Belt title game against Louisiana. Those are two teams that both have double digit win totals. They are the two best programs right now in the Sun Belt. And it'll be interesting to see if Eli Drinkwitz can get his first Sun Belt title as the head coach of the Mountaineers and if the program can get its fourth Sun Belt championship in a row. What would the nation be most interested in watching? I think it's LSU, Georgia, and then everything else. There are other good games, but LSU is number two in the rankings, Georgia is number four in the rankings. Whoever wins this game is in, and there's even some scenarios where the loser of this game gets in. Georgia, I don't believe, could pull that off. If somehow LSU lost to Georgia, could the LSU Tigers still get in as a 12-1 and non-conference champion? We'll see, but whereas I expect Ohio State to beat Wisconsin, we've seen that dance before, right? They played each other, and it was the Buckeyes by, like, 30. It was an annihilation, Ohio State plays top five offense and top five defense. There really are no weak links to be exploited. Wisconsin's a well-coached football team. They got crushed the first time because they couldn't find any weak links in the chain. I think it's going to happen again, similarly in Charlotte. Will anybody be surprised if Clemson beats Virginia? No. I think we'd all be jaw-dropping stunned if the Cavaliers upset the Tigers. Not so for LSU Georgia. Jeff and Clemens is next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Go ahead with your question or comment. Hey, David. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Hope you are. Love the show. Thank you. Yeah, I was just, my question, and I
1: guess it comes down to what happens this weekend, but I am still just dumbfounded that Ohio State's ranked ahead of LSU on strength of schedule. And Wisconsin has lost to Illinois, but they're eighth ranked ahead of Florida and Auburn and Alabama it just it makes no sense to, the love they're giving the Big 10 which again I think they're trying to keep them at one so they don't have to get Clemson in the first round and just what is your thoughts on that
0: Well I think it all depends on like if you were a committee member and I were a committee member what matters to you most because for those who can't picture this stuff Ohio State of course is 12 and 0 LSU, of course, is 12-0. Clemson is 12-0. Everybody agrees. You know, Clemson doesn't have a single win over a current member of the top 25. So among those three unbeaten resumes, the the Clemson Tigers belong third. I mean, I know Dabo's had some fun with his lack of respect card, but I think objective minds almost entirely agree the Clemson Tigers are number three among those three resumes. It is a much closer call between Ohio State and LSU. The Buckeyes actually have four wins over teams in the committee's top 25. So they beat top 10, Wisconsin. They beat top 10, Penn State. They beat number 14, Michigan, and they beat number 20, Cincinnati. So that's four quality wins until you get some to some lesser victories. LSU can match those wins, right? They beat top 10, Florida. They beat number 11, Auburn. They beat number 12, Alabama. They beat a Texas team that's just outside the top 25. Uh, they beat Texas A&M, right? So, there, that's a lot of quality wins. Compared to everybody else, beating three or four or five members of the top 25 is about as good as it gets, okay? If you value true dominance, you prefer the Buckeyes. Because when the Buckeyes beat number eight, Wisconsin, it was 38 to 7. And when the Buckeyes beat Penn State, it was by double digits. And when the Buckeyes beat Michigan, it was by like 20. 20- Eight or something like that. And when the Buckeyes beat Cincinnati, it was 42 to zip. If you, if you weigh more, you know, that, that sort of power points, the quality of your opponent, then I would see it more Jeff's way, right? Florida, Auburn, Alabama, and Texas, to me, are harder to beat, harder to go 4-0 against than Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, and Cincinnati. Um, but the Buckeyes are annihilating people Whereas LSU won by three over Auburn, LSU won by five over Alabama, LSU beat a Texas team that's outside the top 25 by only a touchdown, okay? So how much weight do you put? The committee says it does not by definition exactly use margin of victory, but they admit that they use essentially uh, dominance of game, you know, dominance of game action. They say they sound a lot alike, right? They're trying to avoid putting too much weight on a 28-point victory when two touchdowns were added in garbage time. That, but, but the Buckeyes are absolutely crushing even their best opponents, and LSU is not crushing its best opponents. So, again, what do you value more? Apparently the, the committee, which includes coaches and retired coaches, remember, they're just putting more weight. Ohio State has a top-five offense and a top-five defense. You know LSU has a top five offense with Joe Burrow, but I don't think anybody describes LSU as having an, you know just a dominant defense. It's not. In fact, when Clemson or when uh, Georgia and LSU get together, LSU is the number two scoring offense in the country. Georgia is the number two scoring defense in the country. So when the LSU Tigers have the ball against Kirby Smart's Bulldogs. That is strength against strength. That is rock and hard place, and that's why it's my gold medal game of the weekend. I'd bet the ranch, farm, and dog that Clemson's going to beat Virginia, probably convincingly. I would do the same that Ohio State's going to beat Wisconsin, probably convincingly, as they did in the regular season. LSU, Georgia, man, I wouldn't bet your nickel, much less my nickel. If you ask me, I'd say the Tigers will win, but... It's closer to a guessing game in the SEC title game than most of the matchups that we have waiting for us. I even think tonight, by the way, and thanks for the call, gold, silver, bronze, gold, you got to watch LSU against Georgia tomorrow. I mean, I'm going to have fun being in Charlotte and watching UVA try to shock the world against Clemson, but must-see TV, LSU-Georgia, period. Winner will get in. Loser may have a chance. And then I would put maybe in my silver medal game, tonight's matchup, the Pac-12 title game, if you haven't seen Utah play, they're incredibly dominant on defense. And the only game they lost, which was to Southern Cal back in September, they lost while missing their star running back for the majority of that game. They have a quarterback named Tyler Huntley, who's not a brand name, but very, very accurate and efficient. And, of course, Oregon is led by Justin Herbert, who's going to be a high first-round NFL draft pick. The Ducks are really good. They're out of the playoff picture because they have two losses. But that's a heck of a matchup, Utah against Oregon tonight. If Oregon wins, the Pac-12 doesn't make the Final Four. If Utah wins, the Utes would be 12-1. They'd have that all-important conference champion label remember if you're not a conference champion you must be unequivocally better than somebody who does carry that label 12 and 1 utah i don't believe would be guaranteed to get in but given that they're number five in the rankings right now and given that oregon by the way would be by far the Utes' best win of the season the Utes are another team that is crushing people they don't have a great win in my eyes the Utes, and hence the skepticism the the you, this Utah team does not have a win over someone better than 7-5. and five. So, hence the skepticism, right? But they're crushing everybody. So, if you're destroying the likes of Washington and Arizona State and Washington State and Cal and BYU, uh, you know, they don't have great records, but they're nice football teams out West. If you're annihilating them and you add to it a win over 10-2 and two Oregon, That's going to be hard to leave out. I think the most interesting committee decision come Sunday would be if it's 12-1 Utah being compared to 12-1 Oklahoma. If Baylor beats Oklahoma, Utah absolutely will get the benefit of the doubt over the 12-1 Baylor Bears, period. I mean, that discussion will not take a minute in that committee room. If it's 12-1 Oklahoma, and maybe they put a whooping on Baylor, who knows, maybe they lose, I don't know. If it's 12 and one Oklahoma big, Oklahoma big 12 champ, 12 and one Utah Pac 12 champ, that I believe would be the trickiest decision in six years of the college football playoff. Now you all know that the other dominoes matter. I'm assuming Ohio State does what I think it's going to do, and and Clemson does what I think it's going to do, and LSU probably. I mean, I get it's to me it's really close to 50 50. I really respect LSU a lot, but Georgia. <laughs> Knows how to play defense, man. And Georgia, while not great offensively, is dealing with an LSU team that is not great defensively. It's it's kind of weakness against, not weak, but the lesser side of the ball against the lesser side of the ball when the Bulldogs have possession. And it's just freaking big time. You know, the best college football gets when LSU and Joe Burrow have the ball against Kirby Smart's defense, which just is filled with NFL prospects and well-coached to boot. one 800 John is in Raleigh and has the playoff on his mind. I think I know the answer to his question. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Uh, Great question. I I hate to do what-if scenarios, but I'll I'll go ahead and...
0: and, We we allow them in December. We we try to avoid (laughs) too many what-ifs in, like, October and November, but now that we're on the cusp, why not, right? There's only seven teams that have a shot in my eyes. Uh, Now it's okay to play the what-if game.
1: Well, that's great. So, uh, what-if scenario here, Uh, Utah uh, loses uh, tonight. Um, Oklahoma... Loses mm. uh, to Baylor. What is is Georgia have any shot at going with a very close, maybe overtime loss Ooh. to LSU? Plays a heck of a game. There's an evil like, there's
0: genius of- in John and Raleigh. Clearly, the evil genius's wheels are turning. So your hypothetical says Ohio State's in at thirteen and O, Clemson's in at thirteen and O, LSU's in at thirteen and O, and the Bulldogs would be eleven and two but barely losing to LSU this weekend, tomorrow. And, of course, they do have that kind of anchor around the neck loss to the South Carolina Gamecocks. That one hurts. That one may keep 11-2 Georgia out. But that other stuff you mentioned matters, right? 12-1 oh, Oklahoma, of course, would get in over 11-2 non-champion Georgia. No doubt about it. This committee is so skeptical of Baylor that you'd have to wonder, all right, do the Bears finally get respect because they beat Oklahoma, which would be by far Baylor's best win of the season? Uh, that's the scenario you'd have to root for. Uh, I, my guess is, and you all know we've never had a two-loss team in the, in the college football playoff. My guess is it's extraordinarily unlikely that Georgia gets in with two losses, even if they play well against LSU, because when push comes to shove, that second loss is an eyesore. Trying to remember the year, but Ohio State was right on the cusp one year. Like they were, they were, you know, top five in the committee rankings. And their one loss ended up being that albatross, good SAT word, because it was like to Purdue in the middle of the regular season by like 30 points. It was just a complete anomaly, but it ended up weighing them down. Well, it's not the margin against South Carolina, it's the fact that you lost at home to a team that finished four and eight. And if you need the benefit of the doubt on a close call, to me, that is the anchor that holds you down. It's not impossible. It is a great question by the evil genius John and Raleigh. It depends so much on those other dominoes, but I, I don't think it's very likely at all. We'll, we'll see. Georgia better win the darn game if the dogs want to get into the Final Four. And isn't that the bottom line, right? By rule, it, nothing keeps you out of the college football playoff if you lose this weekend. But you know a part of the argument is going to be among fans? Hey, Ohio State and Clemson and LSU knew that even though this isn't exactly a bracket, it's only a conference championship game, you kind of knew that it was a de facto bracket and your season was on the line. And if you can't beat Wisconsin or you can't beat UVA or you can't win when you know all the chips are on the table, you don't deserve to be in the Final Four. We have never had a two-loss resume in the Final Four. We have never had a conference championship game loser make the Final Four either. Now, when I say never, it's only five years of this format, but that committee is disinclined to take two lost teams. It is disinclined to take the team that fell short when they knew what was at stake in their conference championship game. There's going to come a year where, yeah, they'll end up thinking that that conference championship game loser is deserving Maybe the 12 wins were so good and the one loss was so close that they get the benefit of the doubt. We just don't have any examples of that through five years. 1-800-849-2761. More of your free-for-all Friday phone calls on the other side. West Durham of the ACC Network and the Atlanta Falcons live in about 45 minutes. Those are not the only college football games worth watching, by the way, but I do believe Georgia LSU, Utah, Oregon, and for our state's purposes, App State, Louisiana – would be my three to see as we head to Charlotte with the big tailgate tour driven by Continental Tire. Come see us next to the Residence in Uptown, right there on Mint Street, short walk from Bank of America Stadium. We will be set up there with our tents, games, David Glenn Show t-shirts, koozies and other prizes, and of course the Continental Tire Toss, qualifying you for four free Continental Tires. We'll be right there in front of the residents in Uptown. Come see us if you can, maybe on your way to the game, four to seven, 7 p.m. tomorrow leading up to that 7 30 kickoff between the Tigers and the Wahoos 1-800-849-2761 we are between guests that means we continue to follow your lead there is a heavyweight boxing championship match tomorrow did you know major league baseball free agency signings continue to pour in left and right did you know Cole Hamels is headed to the Atlanta Braves that was yesterday the President's Cup in golf begins next Thursday in Australia. Tiger Woods and Captain America Patrick Reed are among those playing well right now in in a, in a star-studded 18-man field in the Bahamas, a little bit of a tune-up for the United States against the rest of the world in that match play event next week. The MLS is coming to North Carolina. The Carolina Hurricanes won another big hockey game last night. You can jump in on those, college basketball or more football, 1-800-849-2761. More of the week that was and the weekend to come with more of your phone calls next on The David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on the David Glenn Show.
1: The NCAA book on violations that say sick Superman
0: has trouble carrying. This is true. A- However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're oh. not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We are halfway to Margaritaville, and we are taking your phone calls once a week and only once a week. We open up the phone lines, fewer guests, more calls. Justin in Elkin may be on his way to a Carolina Hurricanes game tomorrow night, wants to exercise his Free For All Friday freedoms on one matter or another. Front and center on my plate as I came to the show today, the NFL's Week 14. It'll be intriguing to see how the Panthers perform under interim head coach Perry Fuel and with Scott Turner, Norv's son as the offensive coordinator and the play caller, but of course those are backburner issues as David Tepper, the Panthers owner begins his search for Ron Rivera's successor. Ron Rivera, shout out to a class act and a very good coach, I believe the best in Panthers history. Ron Rivera says he's taken a month off before jumping back in, probably right to an NFL head coaching job. Will it be in Jacksonville with the Giants, maybe Atlanta after Dan Quinn gets fires, assuming he Does. How about Cleveland? How about Detroit? How about Washington? How about somewhere else? A lot to discuss in the NFL. Conference championship week in college football as the coaching carousels continue to spin at both of those levels. College hoops offers a lot. We're back into ACC conference play. Pitt at Louisville, Duke visiting surprising Virginia Tech tonight, NC State at Wake Forest, among other games tomorrow, and UNC visits UVA in a battle of teams ranked in the national top ten, but both coming off really embarrassing avalanche losses Tar Heels to Ohio State at home, the Cavs to Purdue on the road. Both teams have major questions offensively right now as they just don't look like top 10 teams the year after. They lost a whole lot of talent to the NBA. 1-800-849-2761. Carter wants to talk college football. Justin in Elkin. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Go ahead with your question or comment.
1: Hey, DG, I know you were at the Canes game last night, and I was catching it on uh, Fox Sports South, but uh, I saw Peter Morazic take a swipe at Joe Thornton when How he had the that. covered up, and then Joe Thornton took a, a cheap shot at Peter Morazic. Was did. Was that just as cheap in
0: person as it is? As it you know, looked like on the TV? You, Justin, may have had a better vantage point because I did have great seats last night. I took my old crew, former DG show producer Hayes Permar, current ACCSports.com and Sports Channel 8 superstar Brian Geisinger. Of course, Hayes is the host of the Sports Channel 8 show that precedes ours here in the triangle part of our listening audience. Mark Carroll, former editor of ACCSports.com, was with us as well. We were in the second row, which are really good seats. The Joe Thornton-Peter Mrazik fracas was at the absolute other end of the ice. So we're essentially behind one net, and that happened behind the opposite net. So, whether it was Justin watching on TV at home or anybody in that half of the building, I mean, I had a better view on the Canes' new big—what uh, do you call it—the big jumbotron, the HD enormous Jerry World, Jerry's World-like jumbotron. I had a better view on that on the replay, but we could tell—we couldn't tell like if Peter Mrazek was exaggerating for, you know, referee-related purposes. But Joe Thornton got booed the rest of the night. And I think Peter embellished a little bit, but uh, Joe Thornton, it was the kind of play that people ask, you know, how much has this sport changed or how much of the rules or, you know, the emphases changed in this or that from, in my case, childhood, 30-some years ago till now. A player taking a shot at a goalie's upper body. That's not a, like, if there's a loose puck and you slash and maybe you're a little late, try. you didn't know the puck was frozen and you just kind of whack the goalie on his catching glove. I mean, nobody likes that, and you might have some pushing and shoving. The arm-extended Joe Thornton of the San Jose Sharks knocks Peter Morazic down. I'm telling you, in the 1970s, I, I might still have emotional scars from this. The Flyers were known as the Broad Street Bullies. If their star goalie, Bernie Perrant, were number one, revered in the Philadelphia area to this day for leading the Flyers to back-to-back Stanley Cup championships in the mid-1970s when I was a real little one, if that, I'm not kidding you, it would have been a bench-clearing brawl. Like however many dudes are on the bench, that many members of the Philadelphia Flyers would have been on the ice looking for a random person wearing the opposite uniform, and getting ready to pummel that person into submission. Now, somebody, the biggest dude, back then it was a guy named Dave the Hammer Schultz, like most penalty minutes in the history of the world, known for fighting more than, you know, the ability to tie his skates, although he wasn't the worst player in the world. Dave the Hammer Schultz would go after whoever, like, breathed too hard on the Flyers goalie, Bernie Perron, or like gave him a, you know, just one of those little ice shavings type thing. The world has changed. The NHL has changed. Bench-clearing brawls nowadays, like, they just don't happen because they've changed the rules to make the penalties so severe. And the Canes are not really wired. Like, there's no more Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper, you know, the designated fighter-type guy. The Canes have a big defenseman named Joel Edmondson who was particularly frisky in what turned out to be a bad, bad blood game last night. I'm trying to remember, was at the end of the second period, Joel Edmondson looked like he was about to throw down with somebody like as time expired, as the guys were skating into the dressing room. But Joel's big body was not needed for fisticuffs purposes. Jordan Martinook is another guy that I think was on the ice. He's also kind of a tough guy grinder. He went after Thornton a little bit, if I remember correctly. Um, But that is one way that the NHL has changed a lot and it's the old wild, wild west, don't you dare do that to either my goalie or my star player. Remember Wayne Gretzky, everybody remembers that name, the great one, greatest in hockey history. He had a protector. His name was Dave Samenko. and you were allowed to check Wayne Gretzky. You were allowed to play within the rules, but if you did anything beyond the normal bounds of hockey, If you look like you were going after Wayne, who's quick but kind of slender and skilled and, you know, not built like an oak tree, if you did anything beyond a, a traditional check going after Wayne Gretzky during his time with the Edmonton Oilers, this guy Dave Semenko, I mean, like a henchman, you know, like in a cartoon, right? The henchman shows up at exactly the right time. Those days are almost entirely over, and I know Rod Brindamore as the head coach of the Hurricanes in 99% of scenarios, says to his guys, we got to focus on winning a hockey game. I mean, you know, this grudge or that grudge or this punch at our goalie or, you know, we got to win a hockey game. We got to get two points. Maybe there's a time and a place for revenge on Joe Thornton or somebody who really crosses the worst lines. Andre Svechnikov is 19 years old. Remember, he was knocked out by... Alex Ovechkin in the playoffs in that fight last year. If somebody went after your multi-million dollar young guy, Andre Svechnikov at 19 years old, or little guy, Finnish superstar Sebastian Aho, who's not built in a way that you want him dropping the gloves and fighting, I believe even in 2019 if you're a well-run organization, you better have Joel Edmondson or Jordan Martinook. It's not fun to have to fight as part of your job description. All sorts of stories of guys who, you know, in retirement, wrote books or told stories of extreme anxiety because they knew they might have to drop the gloves in front of 20,000 people against maybe somebody who was one of the best fighters of all time. It's it's a part of the game that has mostly gone away, but I think the... You can't do that to my guy, whether it's my goalie, my young Finnish superstar, my 19-year-old Svechnikov. That part is still alive. It's just when it's a close game and the Canes are, you know, above the playoff cut line but not comfortably above the playoff cut line, what's your number one priority at PNC last night? It's get two points against San Jose Sharks. So if you go too crazy for revenge – You guys end up in the penalty box all night, and maybe you let a game get away against San Jose. Instead, you beat them in a shootout. They got one point to go home with, but you got two points, and you brushed up your resume in the way that you needed to in the moment. You sent all the fans home happy. Another storm surge last night. Looked like a little bit of a conga line, complete with kicks to the left and kicks to the right. Not easy to do when you're on skates, right? Those boots are pretty heavy. you got to skate on one. I mean, these guys are pros, so it worked out pretty well. So they accomplished everything they wanted to accomplish. Send everybody home happy, get to two points. Peter Murazik back in the win column, et cetera. He was a huge part of that win, uh, standing tall in net. Svechnikov is off to the, the hottest start of any Canes skater in the last seven seasons. 31 points in 29 games. That has not been done in the last seven years. Jake Gardner had that big goal and uh, in regulation as well. He needed to kind of find something positive to get his game going. Justin, have fun at PNC Arena with your family tomorrow night, and thank you for listening and calling the David Glenn Show. Canes are in a good place. I mean, take a look around. The Panthers aren't making the playoffs, and they just fired their coach. The, the Hornets haven't fired their coach, but they have no chance of making the playoffs, to be candid about it. I know it's early, but they're just not a playoff team. Shout out to Devontae Graham, the Broughton High School star here in Raleigh, the former Kansas Jayhawk, only a second-round pick of your Charlotte Hornets. He is one of the great blossom stories of the entire NBA. I mean, Luka Doncic went from already great to, like, superstar elite MVP candidate great with the Dallas Mavericks. That's one type of blossoming in year two. Devontae Graham went from a guy that most people didn't think would stick in the NBA at all. Even as a reserve, to a guy that you know, James Borrego, Hornets coach, might consider his best player on the roster right now. But again, the Hornets' backdrop is whatever entertainment you get, it's going to be by star players and visiting teams because it's not going to come in the form of a postseason bid. Same with the Panthers. So what do you have? You have the Carolina Hurricanes in playoff position. You have a Major League Soccer franchise. Expansion style on the way to Charlotte, thanks to the big money and deep pockets of Panthers owner David Tepper. And you have college teams to root for. That's about it, right? So celebrate the Canes while you can for the second year in a row. They may be the pro team causing the or giving reason for the most celebration here across the Carolinas. one 800 849 2761 More of your free-for-all Friday phone calls we will take if you dial that number. West Durham of the ACC Network will drop by in about 25 minutes. The Falcons host the Panthers. Wes is the voice of the Atlanta Falcons of the NFL. He is also the voice of the ACC on the ACC Network. We'll talk college hoops, college football, and NFL with Wes Durham in our third hour. We're coming back to your calls statewide on the David Glenn Show, 1-800-849-2761. What's on your mind? Every show in the history of sports radio is told at some point, y'all talk too much about this and not enough about that. That's one of the reasons we created Free For All Friday. Now you steer the ship. You pick the topics. You ask the questions. You file your complaints. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We ask folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. Uh, (laughs) I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a
1: game that can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching.
0: Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday y'all know it's a big weekend in the nfl ravens at bills both playoff teams niners at saints both 10 and 2 nobody has a better record in the league how about patrick mahomes in kansas city visiting the best defense in the nfl that of the new england patriots new england allowing only 12 points per game mahomes when healthy has been very good again after his mvp season 42 year old tom brady of the patriots Has not played all that well since the month of September. Got it out to a great start against some lesser AFC East opponents. Really has been kind of pedestrian since then, especially by his standards. That's another matchup late afternoon Sunday. Casey at New England on our must-see TV list. Seattle visits the Rams on Sunday night football. It'll be Giants-Eagles on Monday night football, perhaps with Eli Manning leading New York an unexpected farewell tour for the two-time Super Bowl champion against the Philadelphia Eagles, who despite an ugly losing record are, along with the Dallas Cowboys, still in contention for the playoffs. Why? Because somebody has to win the NFC East. Dallas has lost three straight. They lost in Chicago to the Bears last night 31-24. So the Bears are 7-6. and six but long shots to make the playoffs. The Cowboys fall to six and seven, but actually are favored to make the playoffs because they remain above those Philadelphia Eagles who are five and seven as they take on the Giants on Monday night. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Let me try Scott in the triangle. He wants to exercise his free-for-all Friday freedoms. It is okay to go off the board. I have a lot more on college hoops, the NFL and college football in particular. Soccer fans, boxing fans, baseball fans, golf fans, and hockey fans all also have things to be excited about in the weekend to come. Scott has something on his mind. Welcome to the program. Go right ahead.
1: Thanks for taking my call, David. Um, It was a pretty phenomenal basketball game played last night in the Triangle, and I hate to put you on the spot, but um, I think that the, the female athletes in our Triangle area, the ACC, just don't get enough respect so my question to you is, what game was played last night that was phenomenal? And maybe maybe kind of give me the insight since you're in the media world, why we don't get any real TV coverage, even little snippets of a result of a game.
0: Yeah, it's it's an NC State-Westmore victory. The Wolfpack's head coach has been phenomenal since taking that job in Raleigh. So that Wolfpack win, uh, I actually included it in my TV highlights. For those who follow me on Twitter, at David Glenn Show, I give, you know, however many will fit. How many characters do we get nowadays in Twitter in a single tweet? 280. Uh, so I, what does that end up being, like 12 different games from a variety of sports or whatever? So Maryland, good team. NC State, good team. Go head-to-head in Raleigh. The Wolfpack get the win. And actually that game, if I remember correctly, was on ESPN proper. So that's certainly some nice exposure. It's not like a stream-only game or web-only game, et cetera. Um, The answer to your question, Scott, and and I'm I'm not bothered at all, by the way, by being put on the spot, Uh, just like I'm not bothered to – occasionally venture beyond the sports world into other topics it's just one of the things that makes us different doesn't make us better or worse but certainly different than most in sports radio Uh, I welcome calls like this because um, you know they're worthy of discussion the bottom line as a business owner I can tell you you know I created the ACC Sports Journal and accsports.com in 1994 and with fair-minded, intelligent people who understand business and understand media and understand the sports world, we had to make editorial decisions about what we wrote more about and what we wrote less about. Now, remember, 1994 is also when the internet is starting to explode. And what was nice about that was that previously, you would have only anecdotal evidence about what people cared about, right? I mean, you could guess Well, they seem to be asking and calling us more about college basketball and college football. Remember, accsports.com, of course, covers the Atlantic Coast Conference. And, man, they sure do seem to like our recruiting coverage. When you went online, you would actually have mathematical feedback Right? Hey, we wrote this about women's basketball and got this many clicks. We wrote this about the lacrosse tournament and got this many clicks. So in the 90s, you started to have a much different, more detailed level of feedback. So, Scott, if you ran a restaurant and computerized who was ordering what and not, over time to stay profitable, you are probably yanking less ordered meals from the menu, and you are probably not taking your best sellers off the menu right so in the media world I don't believe by the way that it's everybody's different about this I don't believe it's hundred percent chasing the almighty dollar you know I've had friends tell me that you know I'll never be a billionaire because I have too many philosophical approaches to things where they may be more bean counter money driven oriented and if it's only about the Benjamins well then you have to do it this way So I'm kind of philosophically stubborn about such things, and that's okay if it has cost me money over the years, whatever. Uh, I never grew up dreaming of being a billionaire, and I won't be, and I'm okay with that, and I sleep well at night. But you do quickly learn that in a competitive world, whether you're mailing back then, we had a magazine that came out every two weeks, and then you gather these web numbers, and it's like, wow, man, there are diehards on lacrosse. But those numbers are not very large. There are diehards on women's basketball, but those numbers are tiny. And, you know, I'm just picking them. You could add field hockey, swimming, whatever else you want. Think about a 30-sport college athletic department. The bottom line when you looked at numbers would be, say, let's just pretend there's a 100-point scale. College basketball in the ACC was 100 out of 100 men's basketball college football would be like a 95 out of 100 when we would write more about that. And then in our case, we covered recruiting at a time where it was not as common to cover recruiting, and that was a 95 out of 100 as well. So just as with my restaurant analogy, it's not a perfect analogy, but it it, it drives home the point, I'd be crazy to not serve more of what my hundreds of thousands of customers kept saying through their dollars and their clicks and their eyeballs, we want more of this. And what I came to understand as a business owner who worked with a lot of other people was, if you, Scott, were also, you know, a media magnate, all right? If you loved whatever, lacrosse, women's basketball, or something else so much, you could find a niche audience it's kind of like podcasting today. Podcast, you, can, you can have a really narrow topic in podcasting. Now, you can be broad like ours. We post ours each hour, three hours a day at David Glenn Show, and folks can find us if they don't listen to us live. And we get tens of thousands of, of downloads on a regular basis to those things. In the printed world or even the web world, you have to be reactive to what people want to talk about and even in the sports radio world Scott if I came on here and talked a lot about Maryland NC State women's basketball when we know through market research and anecdotal evidence and what do people email me about what do they call me about well it's what's the NFL on a hundred point scale it's a hundred in our state and a lot of other states what's college basketball in our state it's a hundred what's college football during championship week it's a hundred out of a hundred so you get around to the women's final four, you know, you get around to national championships being won in this sport or that, we'll have those coaches on, and we've done that for 20 years. But you see where I'm going? It's you could create the lacrosse magazine, and that lacrosse magazine may sell enough to stay in business. That women's basketball website may generate enough advertising or eyeballs or clicks to stay in business. But if you're just trying to cover all 30 sports equally, as I created accsports.com and the ACC Sports Journal, I'm telling you, instead of having both of my kids' college tuition paid for before they leave for campus, uh, I'd have been bankrupt by the end of the 1990s because the the world of supply and demand does not dissipate simply because I have a personal enjoyment of women's basketball or lacrosse or something else. So I don't know if that's too long of an answer or not enough of an answer to your question, but there are real-world economic realities that whatever I think personally or philosophically I can't ignore what good would it do if I just yeah I'm going to give you all 30 sports equal coverage and my magazine and website go out of business rather than being for 25 years the most successful college sports magazine and website in the history of the world and I'm not making that up the numbers back it up so is is that fair is that reasonable did that answer your question
1: well yeah it's fair and reasonable but I'm I really was just asking for, you know, just a a, a five second statement for, you know, a, a prominent sport. It's not like men's wrestling, it's women's basketball. And I do get that, you know, come their final four time, tournament time and everything else that that it's worth it's worth doing. But just a five second thing saying, Hey, the N C State women rank thirteenth yeah. of the country beat the number nine Maryland Terrapins
0: yeah I get it I mean it's like UNC won the field hockey national championship again for Karen Shelton or right. you know that West, awesome. West uh, in. what excuse me I said that was awesome yeah yeah so or Wes Miller and UNC Greensboro they're not going to get as much coverage as Duke or Carolina in men's basketball but they beat Georgetown and, and, you know, Wes is a guest of ours. Lavelle Moten at NC Central is a guest of ours. So that's an example within men's basketball where schools that don't get a lot of coverage on my statewide platform, you know, heck, we mentioned Lenore Ryan is in the Elite Eight of the Division II football playoffs. We love the little guy. You know, we, we go to Campbell. We go to Elon on our big tailgate tour. Uh, we don't just go to the FBS schools. So whether it's our tailgate tour, the, the radio show, or others, we, we certainly celebrate the lower-profile sports, if you will. I would just ask everybody to remember that, that in the business world, in the college world, for example, football and men's basketball are off the charts, your, men, your best sellers from your menu by a 1,000. And whether it's college baseball, women's basketball, or something else worth celebrating – It is fractional, the number of people who call about it, listen about it, write about it, want to talk about it, want to hear about it, and that's just the reality of our industry. We're back after this. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pet talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime.
1: Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this. is open, man.
0: We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Hour three will include more of your free-for-all Friday phone calls. It will begin with the voice of the Atlanta Falcons and the voice of the ACC network, West Durham. On the NFL, college football, and more next. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I I hope it's not awkward. (laughs) Uh, You know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing. (laughs) But I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.